0: Let me invite you today to open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 8. It's uh, in your Old Testament, uh, after the book of Psalms. You'll find a section of Scripture called the Prophets. It's all these prophetic writings from these men of God in the past. Isaiah is one of the largest ones. You'll find it there in your Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 8. I love the threshold of a new year it means new opportunities many of us are thinking about resolutions and how we can be faithful how we can better ourselves I like to take this Sunday and use it as an opportunity to remind us of an important principle found throughout the scripture Uh, a principle that that I believe is a a fundamental in the faith A, a principle that is foundational for our relationship to God and the way we relate to God, knowing God and obeying God and living for God. I think it's an essential principle for our church and our lives and particularly for our spiritual health. And that principle is simply to go to God's word, to listen to God. The way God's people listen to him is to listen to what he says in his word to listen to God, to inquire of God in his word. That's exactly what Isaiah tells the people in his day. So That's what we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to focus on uh, just really one little sentence, but uh, we're gonna, I'm going to expand it and show you how it fits in its context. But it's, it's the simple message of going to God's word. That's what Isaiah is calling the people to do. And as one who tries to preach the Bible, that's what I'm going to call us to do. Isaiah chapter 8, Beginning in verse 19. Isaiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 19, if you'll look there with me. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living, to the teaching and to the testimony? That's Isaiah's message. In a day when God's people were seeking other messages, other forms of direction, Isaiah's message to them was to the teaching, to the testimony. That word teaching there refers to the first five books of the Bible in the Old Testament. This was the Torah, the law of God. Really, a better translation or understanding is teaching. This is what God has revealed to his people. It came to be understood as all of the scripture that God has revealed. That's the teaching. This is teaching from God. The inspired word of God that was written down. The testimony, just another way of referring to the, the word of God. What God has said about himself. What has God said about himself? What has God said that he would call us to live according to? That's what testimony means there. That's what Isaiah says for the people to turn to, to the teaching and to the testimony. And he's doing this in the context of distress. Let me show you this. And again, here's where we'll begin to expand on this message, and I want to show you how this fits in. Go back to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 1. As you're telling, turning there, something many of you know is in Isaiah 6, you find this great vision of God. In fact, let's look at Isaiah 6 verse 1. This is uh, the section of scripture where we derive the hymn holy, holy, holy from. Isaiah 6-1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. It's a a passage that many of us are familiar with. Essentially, it was a time when the king had died, and when a king dies, it often would bring instability. There would be people vying for the throne oftentimes. This would, this would create an opportunity for foreign powers oftentimes to attack. It would ma- make a ripe situation of instability where the nation was put in some danger. And that's what's happened here. But God gives Isaiah this, this vision of himself. He's on the throne. That even though King Uzziah has died, God is on the throne. And he's gloriously ruling. Then look at chapter 7. What happens? This is, this is chronological chapter 7 and verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, Rezan, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. When the house of David was told, Syria is in league with Ephraim. The heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people shook as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. This is the context that Isaiah delivers this message to go to the testimony and to the teaching. It's in the context of distress. What we should take from this is to go to God's word in a context or in a situation of distress. Political tumult is nothing new. Most of us, if, if we follow the, the, the current contemporary political culture in our, our country, we would not describe it positively. And there's probably very few times in our history, just as a young nation, that we ever would have described it positively. But the reality is, living in a fallen and broken world, political tumult and national instability is nothing new. It certainly wasn't for the ancient peoples. In the ancient world, you could essentially be going on as life as normal and a conquering army could just show up. And take you over, and now you're a vassal of some new nation and paying taxes to them. Or maybe enslaved to them. This was just part of the ancient world. And, that, and in the, the situation Isaiah and the people of God are facing here, the, the Syrian king, which have been historically enemies of Israel, is now in league with northern Israel and they're coming against Jerusalem, what was the capital city of southern Judah. This is a time of distress. It's a time of instability. And the people needed direction. This is where Isaiah shows them, you need to go to God's word. You see, what the people were doing, we see in the passage we read earlier, is they were going to mediums and necromancers. A medium is a person who would try to contact the dead. A necromancer is the same thing, one that would try to contact the dead for direction. And Isaiah's message is no. People should inquire of God. They shouldn't inquire of the dead. That's absurd. They should inquire of God, to the teaching and to the testimony, particularly in times of instability. That's the situation here. One of the things we can learn from that is life by its very nature is unstable. Our health is unstable. Many of our relationships encounter times of instability. Our lives by their very nature in many ways are unstable. Our jobs can be unstable. Our plans are certainly unstable subject to change and we need direction and the reality is in the context of instability when we're shaken or particularly when we're falling we need something to steady ourselves on so when you stumble and when you fall or if you're in the process of stumbling and falling what do you reach out for to grab to steady yourself it needs to be what God sells it needs to be the word of God it provides stability. Just as a Christian, let me give you an example of how this works. How does God's word give us stability in times of distress? Why should we go to God's Word? It was just, just a few practical examples from the Bible. Because you know who you follow. Do we remember who we follow? Again, I view part of the preacher's work is reminding us of things that we already know. Reminding us of things, calling us to remember things we know from the Word of God. Do you know who you follow? Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to what the scripture says about Jesus in Revelation 19. We've just celebrated his first advent, the coming of Jesus as a baby, as a man, at Christmas. What we remember is Christmas. There's going to be a second advent, a second coming, where he's coming in power. Look at what Revelation 19 says about this coming king. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. When his mouth, from his mouth comes a sharp sword, to which he strikes down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's who we follow. Friends, we all have issues, we all have struggles, we're going to face things, uncertainties, instabilities in the new year, but doesn't that set things in perspective? Just singing that song, The Power of the Cross, what that song says about Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus to save. Doesn't that set things in perspective? Or it should. It's The Word of God gives us perspective. That's knowing who you follow. Also knowing how to live. Isn't it valuable to have the wisdom of God before us in our very homes? So accessible. Knowing how to live. Jesus came and taught that we might know how to live. This is one of the reasons he came. Look what he says in Matthew seven twenty four. 24. This, this, mind you, is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Where Jesus is preaching to his disciples, here's how he concludes it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Hearing his word and doing it. This is what it means to go to the word of God, to follow Jesus, to do what he says, to seek, to learn from him. That's what it means to be his disciple. Just one more. One more way the Word of God gives us stability. One more, hopefully, practical way you can see from the Word of God how it stabilizes our life. The certainty of our salvation. The certainty of our salvation. You sang about it in the song, How Firm a Foundation. The soul that, upon Jesus, he'll never, never, never forsake. That soul that leans on him, trusts in Jesus Christ, he won't forsake. This is what Romans 8 affirms. Romans 8... Beginning in verse 35, look at what it says. Listen to what it says about the certainty of your salvation in Christ despite all the distresses of this world. Romans 8 and 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, you see, that's how the love of God comes to people. If you want to experience the love of God, it only comes through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And through Jesus Christ, you experience the love of God, love that you will never be separated from. Very clear in that passage. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a rock of stability? A sure truth and cornerstone of hope, no matter what you face in life, that you can turn to and read. And essentially what I'm doing here is I'm just recounting to you some precious promises from the Bible or some clear instruction from the Bible. It sets our perspective. Oftentimes, we, particularly those of us who are more pessimistic in our mindset, can fixate and focus on our problems, or the bad things that have happened, or the things that we don't have, or the desires that were unfulfilled. It's easy to fixate on those things, when what we should fixate on is what God says. That's what Isaiah is calling his people to fixate themselves on, in the time of distress and uncertainty. And he does it in the midst of an unfaithful people, which brings us to our next point. Not only do we go to God's Word in a time of distress, we go to God's word. We go to God's word in the midst of unfaithful people. That was the context of Isaiah and what he was writing in. Many of the so-called people of God were unfaithful. And Isaiah's message to them is very simple, to center themselves on God. Do you know how you center yourself on God? You read what he says, you hear what he says, you learn about him. You center your life on God. Going on to chapter 8, verse 11. Chapter 8 and verse 11 of Isaiah. We'll pick it up there. Again, working through the context to get to the passage that we're focusing on. Isaiah 8.11 For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people saying because this is what God is always warning his people against walking in the way of the people walking in the, the sinful practices of people all around us that would tempt us Look what he says in verse 12 do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy keep in mind in their case this was in the context of a foreign power coming upon them do not fear what they fear now, there's, there's a little phrase for you to plant in your mind if you read or watch the news. Do not fear what they fear. I don't know if you've noticed, but oftentimes this world, people in this world, particularly media and news outlets, like to use fear to try to manipulate you to do things. By the way, teachers and preachers try to use fear to manipulate people, maybe to give money or to follow them or do something. Just, it's, a, it's a common form of manipulation. Isaiah says, don't fear the same things they fear. But what should you fear? Look at verse 13. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Again, a wonderful sentence to put in our minds and hearts when we read or think about the news. Regard the Lord as holy. Honor him. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. There's this crowd of teaching that, mis- that misuse a verse in 1st John that try to make the case that you know as Christians we don't fear the Lord but friends Jesus our Lord taught do not fear the one who can kill your body but fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell it's the Lord God our Creator and judge and Isaiah is warning the people here not, or God is warning Isaiah not to listen to what the people are saying not to listen to all their conspiracy theories but fear God be in dread of the one that you will stand and give an account of. And do you know what we do with that dread as Christians? Recognizing God is judge and just. We appeal to Jesus for mercy. And he gives us mercy. And he forgives us of our sins. And we recognize God is all powerful and mighty. Look at what it says in verse 14. He will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. Interesting isn't it? A sanctuary and a stone of stumbling. It's the reality of what it means to follow God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a sanctuary to us, a place of refuge and hope but he will be a stumbling block to others. He'll be a trap to others. Verse 15 Many shall stumble on it, they shall fall and be broken they shall be snared and taken. But look in the context of this, what Isaiah, what God tells Isaiah to do. And I think, what the, I think you hear of God speaking to Isaiah, giving him a message, and Isaiah writing it down for us to know, verse 16, what should you do in this kind of context? Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. Bind up the testimony. Again, you see here again the centrality of the word of God and the importance of it in the life of the people of God. What are you supposed to do with it? What was Isaiah supposed to do with the word of God that he had received from God? He's supposed to bind it up That means literally wrap it. It's a way of calling Isaiah to preserve the word of God. Preserve the testimony. What I've said about myself, you preserve it. And then he goes on to say seal the teaching. You see the word seal there? This is the way ancient peoples protected what they said. Particularly ancient kings would protect what they had said with a seal. To protect it from any addition or subtraction. That if an ancient king had a message to send to a people, or to send to his people, it would be written on a scroll, the scroll would be closed, and then it would be sealed. And if the seal was broken, it would indicate, well, this document may have been tampered with. But here's what God says about his word. It's supposed to be sealed in such a way that it's not to be added to or subtracted from. It's just one of the many places in the Bible you see about the validity and importance of the preservation of the Word of God. But here again, notice, it is the Word of God among his disciples, his followers, that is going to bring God's people through these times of distress. Verse 17, I will wait for the Lord. This is Isaiah's response to that. Who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob and I will hope in him so notice even when in the context of national unfaithfulness where the people of God are turning away from God Isaiah's response is in that context I'm going to wait on God even though he's turned away from this people I'm going to hope in him so our hope and our faith and our waiting on God isn't based on the fact well he's blessing me and doing such great things in my life and in our country my goodness isn't it amazing what God's doing? No, regardless of what the people are doing, regardless of how unfaithful they are, Isaiah here is resolute. He will hope in God and wait for God regardless. We don't, our faith isn't based on how other people are living or what they're doing or the, the faithfulness of others around us. We've got to have this kind of resolution to hope in God and trust in God even though it seems like he's turned away from the people. And in that case, he has. Verse 18, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. Isaiah sees himself and these other disciples, this small remnant, as a sign of faithfulness. And here we come to the text we originally read, verse 19. And when they say to you, again, more instruction from God to Isaiah, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. This is evidently what the people were saying to one another. They were turning to these people who would consult with the dead and notice it, who chirp and mutter that's a derogatory statement, that's essentially mockery from you you understand in the Bible, in the Old Testament God mocks the false gods in the psalm we read, Psalm 96 all the idols of the nations are worthless they chirp and they mutter And, and, and essentially God just shows how absurd that is by saying, should not a people inquire of their God and here's the point for us as the people of God where should we turn to for inquiry into spiritual things one of the most pressing matters of life we need to turn to God that's who that's to whom we should turn should they inquire on the dead on behalf of the living again God I believe there's pointing out the absurdity of that this that person's dead what do they know verse 20 to the teaching and to the testimony. Friends, I would just say, if you study your Bible, you'll find this is the consistent testimony of God to his people. Go to what he says. Go to what he says. There's a final point here. Very very like the prophets. We've got a couple final points, but to get to the last one of hope, we've got to go through the one about warning and judgment. So this is how the prophets operate. Isaiah now issues a warning about the consequences of not listening to the Word of God. So there are consequences for not going to God's word. Pick it up there after that command to the teaching of the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. There's always people around us and about us that are speaking not according to the Word of God. In fact, that's the majority voice. People have called the day and time in which we live the information age. And it makes sense, doesn't it? At our fingerprint tips we have We have more access to information than any generation in history. And and that brings with it a lot of blessings. Praise God for that. But it it also brings with it a lot of voices and ideas and thoughts and philosophies. And we've got to be able to sort through those. In fact, so this morning um, I was reading this Isaiah passage, feeling the weight of the importance of the word of God, feeling the weight of the dread of God that he puts before Isaiah here. And I turn on my computer to do essentially my process of going through my sermon as I've been reading and thinking through this text. And you know, Microsoft is so helpful to put this screensaver up there, and it's usually a really cool picture. But right in the middle is this message. And here was my message this morning on my computer. This time of year is all about movies. Now, now, again, you think about meditating on listening to the Lord and Him alone being your fear and dread, and to the Lord to the testimony. And Microsoft tells me, this time of year is all about movies. Well, I mean, that's, that's just the world right there in our face. With its message about what it thinks is important, trying to distract us from what is really important. God, the living God, and, and the fact that God has spoken. The fact is there are consequences for not listening to God. Look at what it says in verse 21 of Isaiah 8. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their God and their, their king and turn their faces upward. This is what they do when they don't get what they want or when they face suffering verse 22 and they will look to the earth (coughs) and behold distress and darkness and gloom and anguish and they will be thrust into thick darkness friends there's just a prophetic warning about not listening to the word of God and what happens as a result now I don't think most of us are going to go today or this week especially if we're under pressure or maybe this year if we face some pressure or distress or difficulty we're probably not going to go to a necromancer. I'm, I'm not so concerned about us going to necromancers. But I am concerned as we go to other sources of information, consolation, and help other than the Word of God. We should look there first. Should not the people of God listen to God? Should we not inquire of God first and foremost, to the, to the teaching, to the testimony is a message I think we always need to hear. I think a lot of people in our day and age, and even a lot of Christians, I'm not going to take the time to catalog this, but it's the reality. You know where a lot of Christians are looking for information and direction in 2019, or in 2018 where they look for it? They look inside themselves. That's where a lot of people are looking for direction from. Friends, what a fallible guy that is. Think of all the the Bible says about our heart and mind. It's Proverbs 28, 26 that says, He who trusts in his own mind is a fool. Don't trust in your own mind. Don't trust in your own heart. The heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what you should trust in? You should trust in what God says. Let that be the firm foundation of your life literally every day we make decisions about what we're going to do and where we're going to go and who we're going to listen to and what's going to direct our lives. Friends, let's make sure that we're going to the teaching of God, the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we're exposed to all these other voices and philosophies and ideas and tempted to look within, we look to what God says. Let me address a problem that I think many of us deal with. It's a pra- hopefully practical problem, and then we'll close and do the Lord's Supper together. <clears throat> the, the problem I think a lot of us face, you know, we want to be faithful to God, we pray to God, we, 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 we agree yes I want to go to God's word for direction and and I, and I think God's people in his day if you would have asked them do you believe the word of God is going to tell you about God they'd say yes the problem Isaiah is addressing is they were going to other sources as well but I think one of our problems is God doesn't answer us the way we think he should or maybe we feel like or experience God's not answering me at all or I've read the Bible and I can't find the answers I'm looking for there these are problems a lot of Christians struggle with. <clears throat> I don't, friends, I know that I'm a selfish person and I'm not going to paint you like me. <clears throat> but I know what I feel sometimes. And I know what other people have t- talked to me about how they feel. But essentially God doesn't give me what I want, when I want, how I want. And I believe in the sovereignty of God. I know he rules over all. I know he can do as he pleases. And because I didn't get what I want, when I want, how I want, how I expected, it's easy to blame God for that. And I'm going to the word of God to seek direction and I'm just not seeing it there. I'm not finding the direction I'm looking for. And there, therein is part of the problem. Maybe I'm going there looking for a certain kind of direction that would suit me. And God's better than a good friend. He's a loving father. He doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He tells us what he wants us to hear and what we need to hear. So in answer to that issue, which I think a lot of us struggle with, let me give you just some thoughts. Number one, we base our faith and our life on what God has revealed. And here's what God has revealed. He has revealed the most pressing issues of our life and soul. First and foremost, our salvation. Our standing before a holy God and not being condemned to eternal hell is the most pressing matter in all of life. That's why the most pressing matter for every person in here today is that you'd be born again. You must be born again. It's the most pressing matter. It's the biggest issue you need to deal with before a holy God who will judge you and condemn you because of your sin. You can be forgiven of all that through Jesus Christ. You must be born again. You're born again through trusting Jesus alone and turning from sin. You must be born again. God does show us and tell us in detail and delineate the most pressing matters of life. God does not tell you who you should marry. God does not, in his word, tell you what job to take. But he does tell you and deal with the most pressing issues of your life. He also tells you and has revealed some of the most important matters Matters regarding to obeying him, like loving him and loving others. Again, so many people, and you know this, we've got lots of young people in our church that are thinking about how they're going to live their life. We've got lots of 40-year-olds in our church thinking about how, they're live our, how we're going to live our lives. We've got lots of people of every age trying to think about how they're going to live their life. Well, my goodness, wouldn't it be a life well lived to love God and love others? And that's as simple as the Bible makes it. Not easy to do. But isn't it so simple what God has revealed? And when I'm not loving others, I repent. When I'm not loving God, I repent, and I seek to do so. God says much about being thankful, about praying. God says much about his church. Friends, God has revealed a lot. Let me just remind us all, as I have to remind myself regularly. And by the way, reading the book of Job will help remind you of this. God is not our servant. God does not exist to serve us. God does not exist to do everything I want him to do when I want him to do it, how I want him to carry it out. God's not my debtor. God does not owe us anything. And we must avoid the error of Job and condemn God that we might be in the right. Well, I'm right about this. I should have this. But God is wrong to withhold it from me. Just finally remember God is infinitely wise and he is good. And he has good purposes and designs for you. And finally, what God has done, historically, revealed in his word, that has affected us as believers He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. If you read Isaiah, you read all the prophets, essentially, God's people are sinking fast. The house of David in Isaiah is a ship going down. This is a ship that is is destined for ruin. If you read about what they've done and what they're doing and what God says about them. I mean, just how this chapter ends. Look at the way chapter 8 ends. They will be thrust into thick darkness. And this is what the prophets do, and this is how God reveals his plans to his people. He shows the consequences of their sins, which are grave, but then he gives them light and hope. Look at what chapter 9 says, beginning in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. And here's the light. Do you know what God is going to do? Do you know how God is going to right the sinking ship of David? Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. You know it. A lot of these kids in here have it memorized. How's God going to do, how's God going to repair this breach? Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counsel, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it, with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will will do it. That's Jesus Christ. God sends his Son as the greatest King, King of kings and Lord of lords. And he comes and he dies on the cross for our sins to deal with our gravest problem. He's risen from the dead as exalted Lord, coming again in power and glory as we read about before. He is king of kings and Lord of lords, and we take time regularly to remember his death. That this king came and gave his own self for us, gave his body and gave his blood. That's what we do when we take the Lord's Supper together. As Jesus said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me.